Hello there, I'm Beth Kempton and this is the Freedom Seeker Chronicles. I created this podcast as a place to explore some of life's big questions and the smaller details that lead us towards happier, more fulfilled lives. I love nothing more than a thought-provoking conversation with a fascinating person who's living in accordance with what matters most to them. And I'm delighted to share those conversations with you. As for me, I'm the founder of Do What You Love, which helps people find what lights them up and pursue that in work, business and life. You can find out more at dowhatyoulovefullife.com. I'm also author of two books. Freedom Seeker is a book about making the most of life and flying free, and that's out now. And then Wabi Sabi, Japanese wisdom for a perfectly imperfect life. That's available for pre-order from our friends at Amazon and all good independent bookshops. I wrote both of them for you. And so, are you ready? Let's dive in. Today's guest, Tina Chantry, is a contributing editor of Women's Running Magazine, a freelance journalist, a mum of three, and author of The Divorce Survival Guide, How Running Turned My Life Around. We're talking about the importance of exercise for mental health and how running can help you through difficult times. And Tina shares her top tips to get you off the couch and out on the road to fall in love with the freedom of running. Welcome, Tina. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, let's just dive right in and start talking about running because I know it's such a major part of your life. You've said, I run, therefore I am. For me, running is more than just a sport. It's my definer, my rock, my soulmate. And when I read that, it was almost as if running is a companion as you travel through life. So I wonder if you could just talk a bit about it, because I have a confession to make. I am a non-runner who's a wannabe runner, um, and I'd love to know what makes it so special for you. It's, it's really one of those strange things that sometimes I don't know why it's been so prominent in my life, but it definitely has. It's always been there, always interested as a child and always dipped in and out of it. And therefore, sometimes when you look to the mm-hmm. corner of the room and you see your trainers, they do feel like they're your oldest friends and um it's just been a real thread in my life it's something I just whenever I have difficult times I've always gone back to running and it's not always been to be competitive or to race it's just always been a part of the everyday the every week um release of stress whether it's you know pre-children pre-family definitely having young children it was a big part of my life and as now as my children are getting older I'm just starting to think more about where I want to go with it so yeah I mean it's just a strange thing why running um I did have uh, my dad was a big runner so it was a part of my life perhaps even before I was born really but um yeah there's no denying it it's I just I go on about it I nag people to give my um sessions a try I encourage people just to give it a go and let it into their lives and because it's given me so much I just think you know if you just give it a go give it a try it can give you so much back more than you ever put in. Can you take yourself to a place where you're running and the most beautiful place maybe that you uh, often go to uh, near where you live and when you're out there in your trainers on the road how does that feel? Well, actually, it wouldn't be on the road. It would definitely be um, off-road, trail. I go up to Butser Hill on the South Downs Way, 
which isn't that far, just north of Portsmouth. And when I go there, I feel the happiest I ever am. I feel free. Um, I love running up hills, even though it's incredibly hard. You can have the wind, you can have hail in your face. It's just really tough and gritty, but it makes me feel incredibly present. I don't analyze my worries or my stresses. I just let everything go and I'm just there um, free, just free. It's like, I like being outdoors. I like to feel the different seasons. I like uh, different terrains. I like harshness as well. If it's snowing or icy, I'd love to be out there. And it just makes me feel so alive. It's amazing. And do you listen to music? Um, I, go, I go through phases, really. If I'm not running on the road, I probably wouldn't listen to music, so then I can absorb all the sounds around me. But if I was racing on the road, I'd probably put the music in to try and distract me from everyone else around me, because I actually like to run on my own a lot. I'm quite a solitary runner, so I'm not a big fan of it, but I do dip in and out of it. It's really interesting you say you're a solitary runner because I know that you um, lead groups as well, don't you? And um, my husband, yeah. Mr. K, is a big fan of his running club and he seems to love running with other people. What's the difference? Yeah. Um, I do love running with other people. And if I couldn't do what I do every week, I'd, I think I'd be a lot less happy connecting in my group and with my running club is really important but I need to have time as well in the week where I'm on my own and I can just go out I take a certain amount of time a few miles to let go of all my stress and then reset I often run along the coast here by Portsmouth on the shingle and it wouldn't be the same if I'm always running with someone and chatting I've you know I do use running to let go of stress and I think being on my own is an important part of that whereas if I was running someone and chatting it wouldn't be as therapeutic as it is but I know that a lot of people are completely the opposite and by running and chatting with friends that's their form of therapy so you know I'm just one of those peculiar ones who who just likes to have that emptiness inside my head and then I really find that helps with ideas and creativity that through the quietness and the emptiness in my mind that they just bubble up naturally and that's what I like from running on my own. I love it so you've got the sense of the adventure and aliveness and then also the headspace and heart space that comes when you absolutely yeah I mean that's that's why running gives me so much because just by putting your trainers on and going out the door in your locality within half an hour say 40 minutes you get all these different things back from it. I mean, on so many levels, it's so that's why I always feel it, running gives you back so much more than you put in because all you have to put in is the commitment to actually get out the door and a bit of time. Give it that and it, you get so much more back. Maybe that's where I've been going wrong because I always think about running in the context of exercise and I like the feeling of having done exercise but I don't like the feeling of doing exercise unless it's something like Zumba where it's kind of dancing around to music. I think. Yeah. So maybe you're trying to run too hard whereas if you just go out really slow and ease yourself into it, uh, everything slowly, your body and your mind slowly finds where it wants to be and you know, everyone's just trying to run too fast a lot. I mean, there's a time and a place. Every week you should do some speed. And, yes, we need to race if we want to beat our PBs and set new goals. But a lot of running can be 
really calming and almost meditative. And maybe if you just go out, jog, take everything in, you'd feel a bit differently about it. So I have to stop beating myself up when I kind of only get to the end of the road or I my knees are aching and I'm not liking it. I think I, I think I judge myself a lot when I'm trying to run, thinking about how I how people who run run and that it doesn't feel like I'm doing it right. I think we all do that, which this time of year is brilliant because you can go out, it's dark and you're quite anonymous if you go out in the evenings and you don't have to worry about everyone spotting you. And, you know, I'd find try and find a route um, in a park or a trail where cars aren't going past and you just don't really care. And then you're just doing it for you. Um, definitely so many people are trying to run too fast. Um, and, and as you say, trying to be like everyone else. Whereas I think if you just find your own natural rhythm, which is, nat- is going to be quite slow, you might actually, and let it into your life, you might actually enjoy it more. I love that. So how do you make the time? Because you have three daughters. How old are your daughters? They're 11, 14 and 16. And you have a busy job? You're writing books? You're a journalist? Yeah, I think I don't plan it. I don't really get to my club sessions most weeks. I can't really fit that in. So it can be a midday break where instead of having a lunch break, I'll go out for a run and try and fit a session in. But often... Well, every week it's it's not certain days I run. I run when the opportunity comes up. So it's just about fitting it in rather than um, having an amazing schedule because I just can't do that. You see, you're just breaking down all of my preconceptions about running. Like I need to schedule it in and it, if I don't turn up at six o'clock on a Tuesday, I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. I, I don't know who's gonna who I'm going to be in trouble with. But, <laughs> but I think it's like, because we've got so much, we're all juggling so much. If if I said to my runners, oh, you have to do 20 minutes of strength training a week, everyone would think, oh, how am I going to fit that in? But if I say to them, every time you get up from your computer and walk to the kitchen, you do 20 squats, you think, oh, that's easy. That's going to take one minute. So it's looking at your timetable and instead of feeling pressurized to fit everything in, seeing where you can slot things in. And if you can't, Definitely saying, okay, I'll try it another day um, and definitely not beating yourself up because, I mean, it's it's a gift in your life to be able to go and do something like this. And it's a luxury. So I always think every run I do, I'm grateful for it. I try and encourage my runners to also just when they come on a Friday morning to be grateful to be there rather than to then pressurize themselves about how fast they're going to run, what, how many miles they've done that week or who's running faster, because that's really not what it's about. It's such an interesting take on a mindset shift because that's moving from another thing I have to fit in to something I can be grateful for having fit in, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. really lovely. I think we're all, I, I mean, I've had so many times in my life where I've been overwhelmed by everything I felt I had to do, especially um, with three younger children when I was going through a difficult life experience and I wanted to still keep in contact with some form of exercise I just was overwhelmed and I learned very early on to make a list of either three or five things that were I wanted to do the next day and obviously underneath that list you can have lots of other things but if you think of everything you should be doing your brain becomes overwhelmed you think you can't achieve it and then you just feel more anxious and stressed so is trying to just be realistic, set your three main goals. And if you don't achieve them, then move it on to the next day and just letting it roll 
every day like that, I think, rather than that constant pressure we feel to to be supermans and achieve everything and make everyone happy, which is really hard to achieve. Well, that's a great way to approach your to-do list is starting with what do I want to do, not what should I do, because I think we end up with very different things on our lists when we ask that different question. You mentioned that um, when you've had tough times in the past and obviously that's what led to your book, The Divorce Survival Guide. Can you share a bit of that story um, and the role that running played in it and what you had to deal with and what you learned from it? Yeah, sure. I mean... Running actually was a big part of the actual creation of the split of our marriage because my father had always been a marathon runner and I never felt that I was good enough to do a marathon or because he was fast, so I never did one. And then after I had my third daughter, I decided one day that I, I it was time and I wanted to do a marathon. And, you know, it was quite a, a revelationary moment and I just felt focused and the old me the pre-mum had come back into play and I just was really keen and I told my husband at the time that this was really important and he was not happy about it and didn't acknowledge it just walked away didn't want to talk about it and I think knowing that when there's something you need to do that's going to make yourself your yourself happy and your partner doesn't agree I just you know, after years of perhaps not getting on well, that it was the defining moment where I knew deep down that our relationship wasn't working anymore. So that was like in the autumn and but Christmas came around and we carried on as normal. And But I knew deep down that, it, you know, the relationship was over. I had entered the math and I kept up my training. Um, by early February, we'd both started talking about how unhappy we were and agreed to split. Um, and then, you know, life kind of became a big mess and we had a lot to deal with because my partner felt very differently towards how we should separate than I did. And he kind of decided we lived together, we're still living together. He found it difficult to talk to the children or myself. We didn't want to go to mediation or be involved with selling our family home. And that's when my anxiety really took over because I was trying to get back into work, look after the three girls on my own and literally organize the bureaucracy of divorce. And it was really demanding and it was really complicated and the children had questions and their life was lives were being turned upside down and at that time and for quite a few years after it was all upon me I was the one who was sorting it out dealing with their emotions talking to school dealing with my family um and it was it was overwhelming and it, it just had a really negative impact on my health I couldn't sleep um yes yeah, so I said I was really anxious trying to keep everyone happy and in doing so really neglecting myself and the marathon I was planning to do I had to go out the window I couldn't possibly carry on but my friends said you know don't let it all go still hold on to something and still do some races and for a while I kept it up and I I couldn't keep going to club but I um, kept going out and eventually my partner my husband left 
when the girls and I were on my own. And obviously, childcare allowing me to go to running club ended. So we had to be creative and I had to then start doing things like going to a field and putting my girls in the middle. They're all young. They were about three, six and nine at the time. I'd throw them in the field or a park and I'd run around them and I had to start finding ways of coping with the stress and obviously exercise would be the natural um, thing that I would turn to and I did it the best I could. It wasn't brilliant and for probably six months to a year I wasn't really the runner I'd been but I was doing something um, and it really helped. It helped um, with the stress just to let it go, burn it off but it also helped me become positive by the end of each run that I could then cope with the girls and the situation and there were so many forms to fill in and I could think right I can do this instead of being overwhelmed by everything so it was really important part of my coping strategy what I I mean I just bowed out to you what an incredible role model for your children um yeah well I tried with sport as well I tried to keep they were all doing their little activities whether it was ballet or gym and I tried to keep their sports and their after school activities constant they literally never missed any of their activities and I thought it was really important for them to focus their anger and they did have moments of rage and confusion or just tears and I tried to keep them focused by doing their activities because it's the only way I could cope so it was like you know I kept them up and now all these years down the line my eldest she's still doing ballet and my middle one still dances and my youngest does a lot of gymnastics every week and I think it's a really important part of their lives now that they know they can always turn to their sports to cope especially when I'm annoying and they're <laughs> they can go in the gym and work out for four hours like the youngest does because she's completely crazy and come back and she's able to work her way through her life and her issues it's such an important lesson and i think it's amazing the way that you you took a challenging situation and you were found creative ways to do what you really had to do to you know like you said to to survive it and um i think it's it's easy when things get really tough to just kind of shrink into ourselves and not and feel like we can't do anything but there is always a way isn't there even if it's tough I think at first you do crumple when you do let go and you do think you can't cope and you can't see a way forward and you have to be kind to yourself and give yourself time and slowly move through a difficult life experience especially if you're guiding children and you have to it's it it's working as you go and our family did go through family therapy uh, through the local mental health service because my girls were kind of left without an anchor their dad moved abroad they couldn't tell them tell him how they felt and I think they naturally turned it on me and got angry would the middle one would hit me and the little girl would just cry in the corner so I knew things were unraveling and that we needed to deal with them so we did we as the problems came up I made sure we faced them it wasn't easy and it it was harder to to do that than just ignore it or you know 
drink every night, but that's how I felt we had to deal with it. So that's that's the way we went. And do your do your daughters look back on that time and talk about it at all? Um, not really. Um, they they all kind of dealt with it differently at the time, and they still deal differently now. I try and give them the opportunity to bring up issues like. If my young, my eldest has just left senior school and had prom, and you know I tried to encourage her to talk about not being able to share that with her dad. But I think they've had to cope for so long. It's you know they they've just dealt with it. Kids deal with it and they move on. Unlike adults who can often become bitter or find it harder to let go. And we do deal with things. We do bring up how we had reacted in the past. And we can kind of laugh about it now, but it's still, they're still quite young. And I think they need to get to an older age before they can be really firm about how they truly feel about the whole experience. Yeah. And as a writer, how do you feel writing about something so personal that you know that they're going to read one day? It's really hard. Um, Just before I wrote the book, I started an online blog as my alter ego, She Who Dares Runs, because I was writing a column for an anonymous column for a magazine. So I just kind of developed that. And I found it really hard even talking about running, but talking on the personal side, because I find it quite hard to let people in. So I've written the book, and it does give more information about, you know, our personal experience of going through it. And it's really hard. It's just feel that you're opening yourself up to attack almost because you know I didn't want it to use it as an an excuse to badmouth their dad and I made mistakes and you know that people are going to read your story and perhaps judge you Um, so it's a really hard process and I'm kind of looking forward to focusing on the next book which is it's not going to be such a personal journey it's going to be more how running um, mindful running can help you run into a future of wellness so um yeah I'm looking forward to moving through this phase I love the sound of that it's, it's something that's come up for me actually in um the past year as you know I shared certain difficult times of my life in in my book and when you go on podcasts and write articles people always want to hear about the hard stuff because that's how they connect but I think part of writing is cathartic and then you want to move on and yet people keep pulling you back to the same story just like I'm doing now asking you to tell your story again and um, it's it's definitely a challenge I think um, when you write personal things because you you can't you're not allowed to move on for it for a while because that's how you're gonna get the right the people who need to read it to know about it Um, and it's it's interesting how you um, I've had to pay a lot of attention to not get to a point where I roll out my story like every time try and you know think about it from obviously the perspective of who I'm talking to but that just that it's that it's fresh and it's just an experience it's just a life experience and we all have them and um it doesn't mean just because I'm talking about it that that's what's going on now um but it's definitely a tricky thing that I, I didn't ever think about in the process of writing and I've only realized no, and, and my divorce was ne- well seven years ago now, and I wrote the book, and that was done finished a couple of years ago, and then you have the process, and you, you as you say, you write it, and it's such a relief. And when I, I'm, I'll never forget the feeling I had of when I finally 
had finished my writing of it before I sent it off. And it was a, a feeling of wonder. It's like, it's done. And it was amazing. And I felt I'd cried through writing the pages and I'd had people helping me um, and advising me on maybe not talking about certain things. And, it, it, you know, it was all an amazing healing process. When I came to do the final proofread before it was printed, it was quite shocking that I had to think, have I, did I really go through all of that? Because I'd almost yeah. and moved on. And life, because life is busy in a family, you, you have to move on. You have to let go, don't you? And you can't carry it around all the time because you, you've got to keep up with your children and they're always moving onwards and they're experiencing new things. And it was quite shocking to read the book again, thinking it was almost like that happened to a different person already. And the book takes on a life of its own once it's out of your hands, doesn't it? So it's almost like it is, it's it's just a story that's an important story to be told and you can write another story, can't you? Yeah. Um, yes. I would, while I've got you there, I definitely want to ask you about this book because it's a really important book that I know is going to um, help a lot of people um, when they're in that difficult situation. Um, in the Divorce Survival Guide, you've got six stages of getting through it. Can you just briefly talk us through those? Um, well, I, I think as I went through each part of the process, which, you know, it's almost like the stages of grief and at the same, so it's an emotional process, but also I had the bureaucracy, which was also another very lengthy process. Um, I felt it did relate very much to a person who perhaps has come through some difficult experience and may want to um, take up a new activity or exercise. And I wanted to create the six stages of letting exercise into your life and how to do it easily and gently and kindly to yourself so that, like a lot of people, perhaps you don't go off, you know, run really fast and then really hate the experience or feel awful and then never do it again so I kind of just integrated both so each part of the divorce I wanted to give uh, readers a step where almost like the reward of you've gone through this first stage it's now time to you know find a buddy go for a walk along the beach go to swim swimming pool go to a gym class and I kind of tried to marry the two up so that each part of the journey also gives you a new target to work towards because everyone's divorce or life experiences are different it you know, you know you're easing yourself through a really complicated experience and even thinking about trying to start something new like exercise at that time is really challenging so it's just a gentle steps on how to integrate something new into your life and try and bring it in positively um, and that's what I was trying to do so hopefully that kind of comes through and at the end you know if you imagine yourself going through the first six months of a difficult experience and and introducing these steps that perhaps at the end you're looking towards doing your first park run which is a free local 5k in your area or a race um, and then you have that goal and achievement and that brings self-esteem and it all works together to give you hope basically. 
which is so important. And what do you think you learned about yourself during the process when you were going through those stages, perhaps without knowing that they were stages at the time? Um, gosh, what well, you learn so much that you learn what you're really awful at. <laughs> um, and I obviously, I, I definitely, when I go for experiences, feel them physically, whereas a lot of people perhaps do them mentally. So when I was under pressure and um, feeling adrift, I, I felt physical anxiety and I've learned that I have to manage that. Um, other things I've learned about myself is, oh God, I'm very guarded and I think this experience has made me even more so emotionally. So I find I found it difficult to talk about my emotions before um, this experience makes you realize how hard that is, but how necessary it is. And you said in your book, you talked about your your bedroom moment with your meltdown. And we all have these and we, we kind of hide them because we think they're wrong. But sharing them is really important. And I, I think learning that it's not a bad thing to do that and let people in and see that the darker side is, is a part of our own personal development and I'm definitely someone who keeps everything hidden and thinks no one's interested and I can only do share that with, with a book or with an online blog. I would never go up to someone and say, oh, I'm, I'm having a really bad day, I need support. I, I, just, I just kind of keep it within and I will go for a really long run and get rid of it, the stress, and then come back. So, you know, I've just learned that I need to talk more. <laughs> We, we all have to find a way of communicating. I think it, yeah. we different things work for different people, but the important thing is not keeping it all in, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and being a writer, I've chosen to be that person in the background who uses words to connect with people. And doing it face-on can be really scary. And I think when you've written a book, the next natural stage is to talk about it in public or to do workshops and... At first, I was like, I'm not doing that. I can't do that. I, it's not me typing on my keyboard at home with no one looking. And I have to accept that perhaps I do need to do that. And by challenging myself to that will be a good thing for me. And it's part of the lessons I need to learn. So that's probably the next step. And um, I can coach a big group of people. That doesn't scare me. But talking to a big group of people about my emotions is petrifying so I think there must be a reason for that and there's a reason I need to do it to overcome you know my own issues and um my personality faults and you know it'll all it's all meant to be isn't it so I need to do this as the next stage of the journey I think well it's very interesting that those two things have been combined in your book it's really coaching someone through an emotional experience um with running as a mechanism to do that so it's taking what you what you do feel co comfortable with and confident in yeah. but teaching something that's beyond how to run um and it's it's a huge thing it's really really important um so the as this is the freedom seeker chronicles a lot of people listening are looking for new ways of living and working and um different ways of finding flexibility in their life and all of those things so before we go i'd love to ask you just a bit about your job yeah, um, a freelance journalist and a um, contributing editor at Top Running Magazine. What's that like? What's the day-to-day -day reality of that? Well, it's very flexible. And the whole thing about 
being a freelance journalist is that I used to be a journalist, but once I had my first daughter, I, I, you know, I wanted to be at home. So it's worked so well. It, doing a job that fits in with school hours, um, it's just made life so much easier, especially being a divorced mum of three. Um, I couldn't go and work in an office because my girls do quite, um, sport to quite a high level and I wouldn't be able to do that after after school. Take I have to drive to Portsmouth with my youngest and I wouldn't be able to do that. So it gives me a huge amount of flexibility. Um, talking to women who run, writing about inspiring women has just got to be the best job in the world because I just get to talk to so many amazing people. And then the other side of the job is the the running, the racing. I've run all around the world. I've run at midnight in Iceland. I've run on mountains in Mauritius, the cobblestones in Rome Marathon, you know, everywhere, like just running through the back streets of South Africa. And I think running is a brilliant way to explore wherever you're visiting and racing you you stand on the start line and get to talk to people you never would do and make friends I've got so many friends in my phone and that most of them are are runners and we're all like-minded we're all connecting we're like a tribe we're very dispersed but we all share that need and that love love hate relationship sometimes of running and you know if you even were in your locality going out and finding a, a new path, a new park, a new trail is can make what can be a very dull day with all your chores when you're you know running around after three children, it can bring in a feeling of being alive and uh, every run can be its own adventure and it's a long run, can be a, a, its own journey and you know running writing about running and running all around the world has just got to be the best job in the world it's just it's fun you know it's exciting and it mainly it's meeting connecting with new people all the time which is what I really love doing as a person well you have totally inspired me to dust off my trainers and get yeah. out there and I'm gonna go and do that today but I'm not gonna tell anyone about it I'm just gonna do it and yeah. see how it goes Yes, just keep it quiet and just enjoy it, no pressure, just breathe in the cooler air, listen to the birds and let it be what it is rather than expecting it to be something. I think that's the key right there. Thank you so much for your time and wisdom today, Tina. Thank you for having me, Beth. Well, that's it for this time. You've been listening to me, Beth Kempton, in conversation with Tina Chantry. You can find out more about Tina on her website, Tina Chantry, that's C-H-A-N-T-R-E-Y dot com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll take what you've heard and use it to inspire your own journey of freedom seeking. I'd love to know what resonated with you and what bold moves you're making as a result. So please share on social media. I'm at Beth Kempton on Instagram or at Do What You Love XX everywhere else. And be sure to check out my website, bethkempton.com, for more tools and resources to support your adventures. If you haven't yet read my book, the full title is Freedom Seeker, Live More, Worry Less, Do What You Love. And it's published by Hay House. Treat yourself to a copy today. It might just change your life. So until next time, fly free, my friend. Fly free. Fly free.